Welcome to D4 Sports, day drinking with Don and Dustin. I'm Don. And I'm Dustin. We're coming to you from Lubbock, Texas. And London, England. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. All right, welcome everybody to episode two of D4 Sports. Uh, this episode we're calling the Dog Days of Summer, and we're going to be talking about what's going on in the sports world right now. Dustin, did you think we'd actually get all the way to episode two? I know it may sound a little surprising, but uh wasn't real sure. Um, <laughs> as much as we talk about it and much as we go over it, um, we've never really done it on something like this, a platform like this, or uh, trying to, to reach other people. Uh, it's mainly just been me and you. But yep. uh, I, I, I mean, I'm excited to, to see where it goes and how it continues. What about you? Yeah, well, you know, I've, we talk, we've been talking about doing this for so many years and actually finally doing it. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it, and we're dealing with some of the logistics, I'm sure, you know, that most people are. But obviously with me being over here in London, you in Texas, we got a significant time difference and finding schedules and uh uh, you know our our lives are very different. I think we want to take just a, a just a brief moment, do a little more introduction. Uh, if you listen to episode one, I assume you have. If you're on episode two now, but uh, we talk about kind of our sports background, but didn't really say necessarily a lot about us individually. So um, <clears throat> for the purposes of the podcast, I I am Don, but because that is my real name, but nobody calls me that. Everybody calls me Nick, and you probably heard Dustin call me that already, but. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, you, like I said, we moved to London about a about a year ago. Um, I work uh, full time for a uh, major telecom company that, if I said the name of, you would all know. Um, I am a solutions architect most of the time. Um, I am married to my wonderful wife Karen, um, which, uh, as she likes to say, not one of those. Um, <laughs> you know, Karen was a very popular name when she was a kid. Now it's a, in the last couple of years, it hasn't become necessarily the uh, the best thing to call somebody, but she's a wonderful woman. And uh, we have three great kids uh, grown. They all live back in the States uh, and, uh, you know, we're doing our thing. But yeah, so I, I currently work, like I said, as a solutions architect, but I was a teacher for a long time. Um, and, uh, you know, in a, in a whole nother uh, life, I actually have a PhD in medieval history. And I'm pretty sure that makes me probably the only sports podcaster sports podcaster with a PhD in medieval history. I, I'd not, I, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb. If I'm a betting man, I'm taking that bet. So I would probably agree with you, um, especially with what you got your doctorate in anyway. So, <laughs> um, and, and just to kind of give you a little info on me, I am from Lubbock, Texas, moved here when I was about nine years old. Um, I've been here ever since I call Lubbock the black hole. It just kind of sucks you back in no matter if you want to leave or not. <laughs> Um, but it is a good place to raise a family. Um, I have my wonderful wife, Angela, here with me, and we also have three kids as well, much younger, um, just starting junior high for the oldest, and um, we're just taking it a step at a time, really. Um, I uh, And I may be on the same limb or opposite <laughs> side of the tree when it comes to working. I am actually a funeral director, um, but I, I may be one of the only spots sports podcasters that uh, can can say that as well. 
<laughs> bring out your dead. Yeah, we can, uh, we get, we get lots of good things we can do with that, but yeah, uh, no doubt. So anyway, just a little bit more about us, uh, before we jump in to our show here, uh, uh this week, uh, more of a baseball theme as we go into the dog days of summer. All right, we're going to call this segment the opening pitch as we progress through the dog days of summer. Not a whole lot of sports going on in the professional realm, uh, but a few things worth noting and worth talking about. Uh, one of them, and you know, let's face it, Dustin and I, Dustin, ranking sports, where does baseball fall for you? I mean, I love to watch it for the most part, but I mean, if I'm going to put it against the, the big three, it's probably going to be number three. Yeah. Well, of course, in America, most would say there's four, although maybe you can make a case for five now for soccer. So, But you don't watch right. hockey at all. Are you a hockey guy? No, I mean, I live in Texas. We don't know what ice is except for <laughs> and sweet tea. So, um, no I know offense we have to the, the stars. Dallas stars. No offense None, to the stars. right, right. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I could start following it, but I don't know. We, we can bring in some family members on that one up north. Yeah, but I would true. say I would say I'd put them third. Um, you know, for me, it's it's the NFL and the NBA one A one B, and baseball kind of falls in that that third spot. Um, I do follow it, but I wouldn't say on a level that I would be able to to talk sure. intricacies with 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 people. Me, uh, I mean, me and Buster only probably couldn't be on the same. Level. <laughs> how how often does he call you anyway? I I didn't think much anymore. It's it's every six months now, so. Oh, well, better than me. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, and, well, and I used to be, right, uh, I mean, and I guess if I still had a team, it'd be the Red Sox. I was a lifelong Red Sox fan. I still definitely follow it. I pay attention and, you know, still have uh, favorite players and people that I, I, I track. But, yeah, n- n- nothing quite the same. But <clears throat> but we're coming up to the trade deadline, right? And this is where, right. as we talked about last year, at this time of year, everybody's team building, right? And you know, there's the one big guy out there who apparently is not going to get traded, right? Shohei Otani, right? So, so Dustin, give me your take on Otani. I mean, he's the best player in the world right now. Yeah. Um, and and that's not really much of an argument. Um, he's playing on a team that is, I, I don't even want to say up and down. They've been down <laughs> quite a bit the past decade. Yeah. Um, and it, and it's hard one. They're on the West coast. So a lot of people aren't going to watch, stay up to watch those night games or, or things like that. And so he's West on a coast team bias, that doesn't get, right. right. They don't get as yeah. much, um, TV time or, um, just publicity, I guess. Mm-hmm. But the numbers, man, <laughs> his numbers are insane. Yeah. Um, I mean, his, his pitching right now, his ERA is 19th which you think about all the starting pitchers, the rotation, you know, you could have five starting pitchers on each team, um, but he's got a 3.43 ERA. Yeah. That's impressive, especially yeah. for somebody can, that can hit the ball as well as he can, because they, they just have him in the rotation in and out. I mean, he's yeah. just, he's all over the right. place. Well, um, and, I mean, and, and really, I mean, you know, modern baseball, I mean, with as much offense as there is anymore in the game, 3.43, probably pretty close to historical average for your better pitchers. But, you know, I mean, you had the occasional season where Maddox, you know, would go sub two. Kershaw has gone sub two. Pedro Martinez, right? 
But yeah, no, 3.43 is a very, very respectable ERA for a guy who Absolutely. happens to be leading the league in home runs. <laughs> right. He's at 39 right now. Got number yeah. 40 stolen last night off the near yeah. the wall. But he's his batting average is seventh at yeah. uh, 305. Yeah. I mean, he's at 81 RBIs, uh, and his OPS is 1.087, which is yeah. crazy. Top, top tier. I mean, not even close. Yeah. But what's crazy to me about it is when you get to that level, you have your specialty. And then that's what you kind of hone in on. So are you good at defense? And yeah, you can kind of hit. Are you good at pitching? We're not even going to, you know, have you bad if we don't have to. Right. For him, it's, it's kind of everything. And it's top tier yeah. in everything. He can pitch, yeah. and, and he can get out there and score some runs for you. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, the, the introduction, well, you know, and, and of the DH into the National League, but, you know, for the longest time, you know, the National League, big defenders of the National League were always like, oh, the pitcher has to hit because it brings in so much strategy to the game, right? That was, that was the big thing, right. right? The DH takes out all the strategy. You just got this extra hitter. But, I mean, how many pitchers were there that were any good at hitting? Uh, I, I mean, few and far between, right? I, I, for the longest time, they'd come and they just try to bunt, just try to sacrifice somebody over. Um, right. I mean, Chris Carpenter, I think, comes to mind as one of the only pitchers that I remember that really was much of a, you know, a, a, somebody who could legitimately hit, you know, with any sort of consistency. So. Right. Right. It, it, it's almost like he's a two-sport athlete. Right. I mean, I mean, you'd almost have to say you, you think of, the, you know, Bo Jackson, right, for the brief window that he played. Obviously, Deion Sanders, right, played both football and baseball. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and There's probably a couple of the guys I'm forgetting. Right. But those are the two great examples. But I mean, Otani's basically playing two sports. Right. And he's I guess he's the only guy out there that can give himself run support. When it comes to his pitching, <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> gotta give him some cushion. He's not <laughs> hey going guys, in I got this. Don't office. worry about it. I'll, I'll take care of this. <laughs> yeah. So, nice. But it, it's, okay. it's interesting to see, fun to see too, because yeah, something we don't or haven't had the opportunity to to really see that. I mean, Babe Ruth did it, but yeah. did we really yeah. did we really see that? You know, nobody alive, like, nobody alive is remembering Babe Ruth. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and we know he could do it, but that was all story. That was all numbers and records and things like that. Right. So this is getting to see it in action, which is really kind of cool. Okay, so then the other question, should the Angels have traded him? I know they've said they're not going to, and I guess they're kind of in it. I mean, they're not too far back, right? They're only about five games out of the wild card, I think, at this point. Do I think they should have? Yes, because of what they could have gotten for him. Even with him, I don't think they're contenders. Um, I think they understand that too, but at the same time, holding on to a wild card like that, I mean, maybe there's that possibility or maybe they're seeing if he continues to do this well maybe next year, what, whatever that yeah. looks like. But I think ultimately what they could have gotten for him could supersede him just staying there. The likelihood of him staying with the Angels is just about zero. I mean, 
they've had Otani and Trout, arguably the two best. I mean, if Otani's not the best player, you could say it's a teammate, Trout, and they still can't win. So, I, I mean, how are the Angels ever going to get anybody to come to the team? I, I just don't know. Right, and with the free agency, every team out there is that has the capability of getting him is going to try. Um, and I think one of the things with teams is, hey, who can we put around you to make a club? And the Angels aren't going to be able to do that. So, well, or they haven't, right? They haven't been one of the well, big spenders. Correct. Yeah, you know, I mean, and maybe they'll decide to spend another $150 million, which is what it's going to take in right. Major League Baseball these days. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I'll tell you. It, it'll be interesting it, to see for sure. It, it will. It, it will really be interesting to see what happens. It, it, I mean, surely, if nothing else, the Angels got to figure, well, we got to sign him just to try to put people in the seats, right? Because he's a draw, uh, you know, mm-hmm. one way or the other, right? Right. So piggybacking off of the conversation about free agency and whether the Angels are going to keep Otani, we're going to talk a little bit more about what we talked about last week, kind of the offseason team building happening around the league. And this time we're going to focus a little bit on the uh, English Premier League and football, which is dominating some headlines over here in the UK. So, Dustin, how much have you been following all of the transactions in the English Premier League in the, uh, the offseason? Uh, not a whole lot, to be honest with you. Um... Not a whole lot. Would that be zero or some? I would say zero. Okay, yeah. Well, and to be fair, I've only followed it, you know, uh, in a cursory fashion. I do have uh, a team that I am following the transactions of that we'll kind of talk about a little later because they're not actually in the Premier League. But, but I mean, you know, you follow all the Premier League stuff. And, and one of the things that fascinates me is how in, in professional soccer, football, depending on what you want to call it, you can loan players out. Loan players out. and you know, trying to figure out exactly what that means because there is no such thing in the United States, although I, I guess it does happen within Major League Soccer in the U.S., but in the other big professional sports, loaning somebody out just doesn't make any sense because you've signed them to an exclusive contract, they play for you, right? There's no, there's no, but but literally in, in the professional soccer, you can loan players from one team to the other, and the other team will often just simply pay their contract for the loan period. And I read something that I think it has to be at least like 28 days. But literally, you can loan a player from your team to another player for sometimes multiple seasons. And, uh, you know, I mean, apparently this is done oftentimes with younger players who maybe aren't, you know, getting as much time in the field. So they want to get them some, you know, some game minutes. They want to get them some good experience. Uh, But I was reading something about how one player was loaned, uh, you know, like I think it was an MLS player was loaned to somebody in in the Premier League, and he got had a serious knee injury, so they sent him back. It's like, oh, oh, thanks for that. And I don't know what that does to a contract. I mean, but can you imagine, Dustin? Can you imagine a loan system in, like, the NBA or the NFL? I think on some level it can make sense um, due to the fact or when are you loaning them, does it help offset the funds in the contract where the other team does pick up the salary? Um, like you stated off air, does it allow for playing time and getting out there on the pitch? And um, oh, nice way, those, way to work in the pitch there, by the way. Appreciate it. Um, <laughs> a way to work in those reps and um, just just play. Um, 
and again, since I haven't really looked into it or understand what it is, um, you know, do you loan them to another team? Obviously, that is not in, you know, with who you play. Yeah. Um, yeah. To allow to, like I said, help offset those financial aspects. But, you know, different season. I don't really know. Uh, something I, I can look into. But yeah. um, on some level, it makes sense. But being in the U.S. and, and <laughs> knowing what that would look like here, it just it does seem a little odd. Well, and I, I think, you know, part of it is also given that there's only really one tier. I mean, I mean, I guess you something like that with, you know, the professional baseball farm system. Right. You have triple A, double A, single A. You have other teams that are affiliated. And if somebody needs reps, they can send it to the minors. But that's a demotion. Right. I mean, getting sent to the minors for any reason other than injury is basically, you know, <laughs> career threatening. Right. You're not playing well enough is why they're sending it down there. Um, and and it's rare. I mean, you know, the major league starting lineup, they don't just randomly bring up somebody from AAA unless he's the next big thing, right, um, or for injury. And I don't see uh, another team saying, hey, I want one of your guys, but I can't put him on my top-tier roster. Right. Like to play in the MLB, I'm going to put him at right. the, the AAA ball. That, yeah, no it way. It doesn't seem like that's going to work. No. So they're not going to get the contract under their team right. to try to help them in in a lesser division. Yeah, and and maybe that's one of the things with American sports being like its own breed, right? I mean, there, yeah, there's baseball in Japan and and down in you know Dominican and Cuba and some other places around the world. Though I don't think it's all that widespread. There's really not many other competitive American football leagues. Obviously, there's been World Football League, USFL, some of these others have tried, but you know, nothing really on par. I guess there's Canadian Football League, but there's no way you're sending somebody to Canada it, to get reps. I mean, you know, and in football, the risk of injury is too high anyway, right? I, so I don't know. It's just kind of wild to me as, as I sit here and I read about, oh, yeah, we've loaned this guy to this team, um, you know, and, and what it can be. And, and the, other, the other piece is just the basically no salary cap, right, in professional football or, or soccer, right? They, they can spend mm -hmm. anything. And whoever's got the money. And and this is, I mean, it's going to be interesting. And maybe this is something we can explore a little later. It's going to get a far afield. But, you know, the, the Saudi League has just made big moves for major players. The most famous one, of course, the recent one being Mbappe, uh, who I think is on PSG, Paris Saint-Germain. But uh, if I'm right, I think he's on that team. Um, you know, they offered him something like close to a billion dollars to come and play, uh, you know, for them. Um, and you start, and there's been some other players that have been offered just astronomical sums of money, much like, you know, the Saudis did with golf, right? With live golf, and uh, it'll be curious to see uh, what uh, what that happens. But again, I think we want to deal with that. Maybe the the Saudi influence on sports. This all of a sudden, this massive pool of money coming into professional sports globally, um, maybe another issue for another time. Team building. It's happening right now, happening all over the world, all the different sports, whether it's, you know, baseball making their playoff run or the other teams getting ready. Um, probably the most interesting part of the dog days of summer, unless, of course, you're a big baseball fan. Then you've still got something to watch all the time. Ails over the catcher, then pops way up in the air. It's the screen on the way down, and I have no idea what happened on that pitch. Whoa! A wild pitch! 
a wild pitch to bring in a run. I think at this time we're going to uh, take a little fork in the road. Uh, this segment we're going to call Wild Pitch. It's kind of odd stories in sports that you may have never heard of. Or if you have heard of them, they're just so out there um, that you, you just got to bring it back and talk about it. Um, first story I want to talk about, and and we may have to just throw him in as the first honorary uh, member of, of D4 Sports. His name is George Rube Waddle. He was a pitcher in, um, that pitched from 1897 to 1910. He's in the Hall of Fame, a uh, record of 193 and 143 with an ERA of 2.16 and recorded 2,316 strikeouts, which is pretty good. Uh, it's not bad. That's that a, one bit. It's a solid career. Solid career. Absolutely. Love him. Absolutely. But on the very uh, top of his um, Hall of Fame induction like bust, it says that he was a colorful left-handed pitcher. And to say he was eccentric and colorful, it might be an understatement. Kind of reading the stories that I read about him, um, he would skip uh, his starting role sometimes. Um, one said he was missing for days and ended up leading a parade in Florida where they found him. Huh. Uh, another Florida story man. that he, right, of course, <laughs> always in Florida. Rube Waddle, um, the first ever Florida man. Okay. All right. There you go. There you go. Uh, he was known to occasionally miss a start because he was off fishing or playing marbles with street urchins. Um, yeah. And then, and then was known to uh, wrestle alligators as well. Um, there is one story that um, he joined a, a group that would just kind of tour. It wasn't necessarily baseball, um, but it was a traveling show. Um, and one night he went to go visit uh, a competitive traveling show, and they had lions there. Uh, it states that lion. he got upset with the lion and decided to go punch the lion. Um, I don't right. know if if that would you know cross a sober man's mind. Um, <laughs> so him being him being athletic and probably not in a sober state of mind makes him the first honorary uh, D four member. I, I just I feel the, like Rube Waddle. Fits with D4. I mean, he, if he, he wasn't of, day drinking when he punched the lion, what was he doing? I mean, right. It, <laughs> he he kind of sets a precedence for, for what, what we talk about. Yeah. Um, but the lion in turn bit him on his left hand. Um, well, it didn't end his enough. career, but uh, it, it definitely, uh, that's a story that I don't think I would have ever imagined could actually be a story. So, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've heard the name Rube Waddle, but I certainly don't remember ever hearing any of those stories. Well, I, I have a, I also have a baseball story that, you know, kind of going along with our theme, you know, in the wild pitch segment. <clears throat> and this is, you know, I, I, frankly, I don't know much about this guy. I've heard this story come up a couple of times, but this is Ray Caldwell. And Ray Caldwell was a pitcher uh, for, the, for the Cleveland Indians. Um, and before that, he'd been with the Red Sox. But this, we're talking 1919 here, right? So, again, kind of back in the Rube Waddle days. Um, to my knowledge, Ray Caldwell never punched a lion, but I guess I could do a little more research on that. But, but he is famous for getting struck by lightning while pitching in, in the game. He gets struck by lightning and knocked unconscious. So he's laying there on the mound. His team rushes out. They wake him up. He pitched eight and two-thirds innings. And he refused to come out of the game. And he's like, now nah, I got this. 
<laughs> so I've heard some stories them. about people getting hurt and and not getting taken out of the game. This, this yeah. may be on another level. Ray Caldwell goes on, records the last out, and gets the win for the Cleveland Indians in 1919 after getting struck by lightning. So, I mean, you know, maybe he's not playing marbles with street urchins, but Ray Caldwell, I feel, should also be an honorary member of the D4 Sports Hall of Fame for getting struck by lightning and saying, Coach, I'm good. Keep me in. That's, that's impressive. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good right there. Those are your wild pitches for today. All right, well, now it's time for the seventh inning stretch. Time for you to get up and grab your favorite beverage and libation, maybe a little snack along the way to get you through to the end. Uh, and that, of course, provides us with a nice segue to talk about our favorite summer drinks. So, Dustin, I'm going to throw it to you. I know this summer you're probably not imbibing too many alcoholic beverages, but what's your... What's been your drink of choice for this summer? For this summer, I mean, I've really just been going with uh, sparkling water. Mm. You got your limes and your melons and things like that. But, but I'll go back to summer's past. Um, mm -hmm. there, there are definitely some summer beers that have been ones that I've just tasted, liked, and I've kind of gone back to the well. Um, being here in Texas, we've got some Shiner. Shiner is a, is a fairly well-known uh -huh. uh, brewery here in, in Texas, and they used to put out an all-day quencher. And I don't know if they do it much anymore, but that was probably the best summer beer I've had. Um, it's very light, crisp, um, and it was something, like I said, just kept going back to. Um, and there are some good, um, like Lining Kugel's got some good summer ales. Uh, Lining, St. Arnold's. Yeah, sure. yeah, some St. Arnold's has a lawnmower that's pretty good as well. So there are some out there that, the lawnmower, yep. So, and you know, you got to put in some work with that, but you might as well have one in your hand while you're doing it. Right now, with all the riding lawnmowers, you just need a cup holder. Well, that's absolutely true, right? I mean, I mean they throw in like some fresh grass trimmings or something to. That's the a... smell you get when you open it. Just <laughs> fresh cut grass. Yeah. So back to this, back to the shiner. Was that was that like a shandy, like a lemon, like a lemon ale, or it was just a kind of a light ale sort of thing? It was just a light ale. Uh, like I said, it was it was very crisp. It wasn't overbearing by any means. So it wasn't one you wanted to just keep keep throwing down. Um, they they hit harder than your just normal uh, mm. beer, I guess. But it was one you could definitely sip on, and, and it was good. Now you were always kind of a seasonal beer guy, right? From the time you started drinking, you weren't like uh, drinking the same thing all year long, were you? Or pretty much, yeah. yeah. It was, you know, you kind of went with the seasons. I liked uh, craft breweries, um, mm -hmm. you know, some of those uh, small breweries. And, and, yeah, you could you could go out and have some from the big companies. But um, I always enjoy trying new ones and seeing where it went. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I still drink, you know, some beer. Not as much beer as I used to. Um, but, yeah, there's nothing like, you know, getting the beer in the right season. You know, you match the. Stouts and porters in the winter when it's cold or a nice spicy Christmas ale. Summertime, a nice, I was always a, I was preferable to the Hefeweizen, you know, a nice, uh, you know, kind of lighter wheat beer in the summertime, nice and cold, just, uh, you know, goes down smooth, refreshing. 
But I would have to say, you know, if I'm going to talk about my summer drinks now, if you're going to, my go-to summer drink is is got to be the Negroni. Just a great cocktail. You know, it's uh, easy to make for anybody, you know, you're listening at home, you're like, hey, Negroni, not really familiar with it. Well, Negroni's really simple. Equal parts, gin, sweet vermouth, and Campari, which is a bitter aperitif. And if you're not into the bitter, you can back off the Campari a little bit. Take a little bit of an orange wedge garnish, squeeze it in there, and you're going to have yourself a nice, refreshing summer cocktail. And some people will even take and, uh, you know, top it off with a little club soda, give a little little uh, little bubbles to uh, to finish. But, yeah, the Negroni, that's a, that's a classic Italian summer cocktail. That's very, very popular in Italy, and uh, you know, but also you know, throughout the States as well. Over here in the UK, I would be remiss if I did not mention the Aperol Spritz, which is pretty much ubiquitous here. Like literally every single pub and every single restaurant will have an Aperol Spritz, not just in the summertime, but uh, all year round. But uh, that one, and of course, the Pims, uh, the, the, the Pims Cocktail which is uh, a cocktail based on Pins Number 1, which is itself a particular type of aperitif, kind of fruity. Uh, oftentimes, Pins is going to be mixed with, you're going to get strawberry, cucumber, mint, um, you know, mixed together, sometimes some gin or maybe some vodka with all the fruit in there. It's a really nice summer drink. Can't say it's one of my favorites. Can't say it's a go-to for me, but uh, certainly Pins. Uh, is quite popular around here. Hope you're enjoying your drink wherever you are, whatever you choose to enjoy, and uh, hopefully it uh, takes a little bit of edge off of the summer heat. All right, well, we're going to take a little of a diversion from the baseball theme for the show, and we're going to talk about the sport that we care most about and that we're getting most fired up about. And in fact, starts this week. Albeit, you know, the very first preseason game, which is always, unfortunately, about as interesting as the Pro Bowl, um, the Hall of Fame game, <laughs> uh, when, when no one plays that you've ever heard of. But <clears throat> nonetheless, the NFL is getting started, and uh, we want to take a little bit of time and talk about the upcoming season. So, Dustin, I'm going to kick it to you first. So give me two storylines, two things that you're really interested in to see in this upcoming NFL season? I think for me, uh, one of the most interesting um, things is I want to see how Russell Wilson responds to the year that he had last year. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it was not <laughs> a good year for him. I'm going no. from Seattle to Denver, having some quality players um, on his team. Just couldn't really get the ball to him. Um, no. You know, don't know if that was coaching, team, playing. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see how he responds. Now, I know Tim Patrick got hurt again. Again, um, that's rough. For, rough. Yeah, it's, it seems to be something that has – hopefully it's not a theme in his life or his career, but um, he's, he's prone, I guess, is what I would go with. I mean, if you but go – he's still – ACL out for a season, followed by Achilles out for a season, two full years out of the league. I don't, I don't see it. I don't see him coming back. back but from, maybe. Right. I hope he does. It'd be a great story, but that's just rough. Right. But he's got some other plays around him that are up and coming. 
and could mm-hmm. be dynamic within the offense. So I am interested to see how he responds from what I do want to say. I do want to say to your point about whether it was coaching or players. I think we know what Sean Payton thinks. <laughs> you saw pretty sure we know what Sean Payton thinks. <laughs> he, he definitely did voice his opinion, which got thrown back at him <laughs> by Rogers. But um, it, have you ever heard, have you ever heard one coach call out another coach like that? No. Cause isn't it like a fraternity? Like you well, may you have think. some division yeah. within it. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of kept under the rug, but he absolutely called him out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to, yeah, I mean, I, you rarely hear coaches speak bad about any of their coaches, but certainly just to point blank say this team sucked last year because of the coaching. I mean, that's <clears throat> right. That was rough. I think I think another the the second story that I, I would be interested to see. Um, it's I guess it's two within one. I want to see how Jacksonville and Detroit do this. Mm-hmm. I think they had some flashes last year, especially the Lions. But mm-hmm. it just seemed like each game, you know, as we said, the Lions are going to lion. It it <laughs> it just tends yeah. to to go the route of what they've been. Um, but there were some times where they kind of you know climbed the mountain and got over the hump. Um, so I'd be interested to see if they can take that and go further with it. And then Jacksonville is young, but they looked, mm-hmm. there were times they looked really good and their backs against the wall and they really pushed through. Um, so there is a chance that they could be dynamic as well. So I think for me, that second story is to see how those two teams really um, kind of start the season. Yeah. How they handle the success, right? Right. Although there wasn't a ton of success last year but like i said with those flashes and with the possibility of really kind of moving forward there there is a chance to have some real success so yeah i guess how they respond to it jacksonville won a playoff game right so i mean with that 30 point comeback over you know historic comeback over the chargers so uh right but uh which is those flashes i mean uh, great game and you yeah. saw that they had some grit and some fight and, and were able to yeah. do that. But how do they how do they take it moving forward, I guess? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would say say those are my top two. Um, Nick, what would you look at as being your two things to kind of watch for at the beginning of the season? Well, you, you stole one of mine, <clears throat> which was the Lions. And, and I would put the Lions in kind of the kiss of death category, right? Because every year there's the team that is hyped right? The team or teams that are always hyped up and everything. Like, oh, we're talking about this. We're talking about that. You know, it's going to, this is their year. This is their year. You know, and I like, well, frankly, for the last couple of years, like it's been the Cardinals, right? Kyler Murray's going to this and that. And so often these teams that get this hype just don't live up to it. And, and I obviously Detroit's one of them this year, right? And I, you know, and I think for good reason, um, you know, right. as they had some success last year, and I think people are looking to them. Miami has kind of been the perpetual favorite for the last couple of years. People talking about, oh, this team is so loaded. This is their year. This is, they got the coaching in place. And, you know, we got Tua, and <clears throat> I'll just go on record here saying that Tua Tagovailo is not my guy. Um, uh, I mean, I know he's, he's obviously talented, uh, and he's shown some flashes, but it's amazing to me how much people have jumped on the flash bandwagon. Because but there's only only so many times you can say this is our year. Because if you keep saying yeah. it, you yeah. just sound like a Cowboys fan. And <laughs> it, it, <laughs> well done. Yeah. 
<laughs> it just keeps coming and it's never mm-hmm. your year. And, and yeah. so it, I agree with you to, to see the Lions. And, and again, Miami, because they do have such big, high profile names. Yeah. Um, that they have the capability, but can you put it all together? Yeah. Right. I, I, I totally agree. And, and I mean, obviously, the, the easy candidate this year, of course, is the Jets with Rodgers. And then he convinces his whole rather pedestrian receiving core, Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb, to come over. I'm not sure what that is supposed to unlock for them. But, um, yeah, I mean, and again, the Jets got talent. And I, I honestly do think Robert Sala is a good coach. I think what his record with San Francisco, pretty undeniable. I think he obviously trended them in the right direction. Uh, right. I just have a feeling the wheels are going to come off the Jets. I I don't disagree with you. And again, it's Rodgers. As good as he is, there are times yeah. where he can be a head case as well. And how does that play out in the locker room? Yeah. Do you, do you do you bring your guys in because they know you in the locker room and you don't have to – you can allow them to set the precedence and, oh, it, it, it's just Aaron. It's just how he works. Or, I mean, yeah. I don't know. There are some things that may have been put in place to help him, but we'll see how that goes. Maybe he'll go spend two more days underground during his bye week or something. You know, you, you just never know, right? He just uh, took a long nap. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, the other storyline, and, and I thought this was the storyline last year, and, you know, here we are with the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl again. But, I mean, you just look at the Chiefs wide receivers, and it's just – there's not much there. You've got Kadarius Tony, who's already injured, and he was going to be their number one. And I think if anybody, if any GM around the league would have said, Kadarius Tony's my number one, I think that GM would have faced a lot of questions, right? Absolutely. And Guy Moore, who, again, had a couple of nice plays, good plays in the Super Bowl. But, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, who, okay, low-end tier one wide receiver, was their number one last year. They lost him. Um, you know, they lost Nicole Hardman. So, you know, you think back a couple of years ago where they had Tyreek Hill blistering down the field and then Nicole Hardman blistering up the sideline, two of the fastest guys in the league. Both of them are gone. It's down to rookies. And, you know, can Mahomes do it with that, right? I mean, Mahomes is great. And, you know, I mean, we've got a – of course, Mahomes went to Texas Tech. He's a Lubbock hero. He's a legend, up, baby. great guy, I, you know, as much as, you know, look, I mean, and, uh, you know, I haven't really talked about it much yet, but I'm a Patriots fan, longtime Patriots fan, and, you know, Brady, you know, I mean, you've talked to me about Brady for at least a decade. Um, Heck of a system, man. Heck of a system. Yeah, here we go. It's, there it is already. <laughs> I, you know, I can't dispute Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes is fantastic, right? I mean, he's brilliant. Can he keep doing it with just not many weapons? I mean, he's got Kelsey, right? And Kelsey's great. Can he turn these guys into the receivers that he needs to make this well, team Well, I'm, lo- I'm looking at the know. wide receivers right now on their yeah. roster. Mm-hmm. And it like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Kadarius oh, right. Toney, okay, yeah. uh, Sky Moore are their top three. And then yeah. after that, you know, right now, uh, Ty Freifogel, uh, out of Indiana, I know him just because I follow college football. Uh, Richie James, Cornell Powell, uh, Rasheed Rice, Justin Nobody. Ross, Ty Scott. I mean, yeah, I mean, none of these guys, and 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 some of them, even though I follow college football, I have no clue who they are. Middle Tennessee, Western right. Michigan, 
I'm not saying that the colleges are bad, but they're just the guys that you don't know. I mean, no. they've got some great running back names and, and Edwards Hilaire and McKinnon and Pacheco. Um, and obviously yeah, – But Clyde has been the, dodgy. I mean, he has not lived up to hopes, right? Right, I mean, and Pacheco, but on the flip side of that coin, has, has played very well towards the end of that season. Sure, um, yeah, but, agreed. But yeah. one of the best I offensive mean, players in the league, That's though, the worst is, receiving room in the league. I mean, look, I'm a Patriots fan. Oh, I know how bad I know how bad our receiving room is, but I would take the Patriots receivers over, except for Kelsey, of course. I mean, Kelsey bumps everything up a notch, right? But he's a six-five, two hundred and fifty-pound wide receiver. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and the primary target, and you know, right? Whatever, nobody can guard him, so I mean, you might as well, right? Because he's, you know, because of obviously where he lines up and how big he is and athletic and all that. I, I just I don't know. That's I'm really looking forward to seeing if if Mahomes can do it because I mean we've seen other great quarterbacks. I mean last year I mean frankly Rodgers was throwing to nobody. I mean Romeo Dobbs right was in and out and uh, I forgot the name of the rookie guy who dropped the ball in the first game and then came back later in the season had some good plays. Um, had Watson. What Watson? Yeah right. Yeah I mean but. I mean, he was throwing the guy, and you know, and, and now actually the Packers receiving room is almost as almost as young again. But um, yeah, I don't know. So I, I'm curious. I mean, I, you know, I am I'm not a uh, a Chiefs homer by any means. Um, I, I you can't help but enjoy watching them because they're an electric team. But I just I just wonder if Mahomes can make it happen. I I don't know. I was part of me that just says I, I just don't I don't see him being able to do it for the whole season. But you never know. You never know. I mean, he's he's proven himself to be just phenomenal. So, you know, it's it's hard to uh, hard to write that off un, unquestionably. Right, right. So, one other piece of the NFL I want to want to talk about. Get your take on the whole running backs thing, right? The running backs not getting signed, right? And we're still, you know, if you'd ask anybody, I think in the off season, and you'd say, what are the chances that come August first? Zeke Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Kareem Hunt, and there are other Leonard Fournette. None of these guys are on a team. What are the odds? Right. Uh, personal opinion. I mean, with it being such a passing league now, I feel like owners, GMs, think that running backs could be a dime a dozen. So why am I going to? try to put all my money or a lot of money towards somebody I can get on a cheaper contract to do kind of the same thing we're doing. But at the same time, you have to have balance within the NFL. If you Absolutely. don't have that balance, defenses are going to be able to just kind of hone in on what you're doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you and, have to be able to run the ball some, right? You, oh, Absolutely. You, you don't have to be dominant. You don't have to be the Ravens, right, who run 80% of the time because <clears throat> their quarterbacks are running back. But, um, but Or the Patriots who ran it all but two passes one game. <laughs> that, that was phenomenal. <laughs> that was the best game plan in the history of the world. You can't deny it. But anyway, yeah, I mean, obviously the running back position is undervalued or not valued, right? And on the one hand, you know, I mean, I see, oh, the running backs are going to get on a Zoom call. I'm like, oh, so what, man? I mean, if you're in a job market that doesn't value your job, you can't just stand there and say, no, 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 we, we have to be paid more. But I'll, I'll give you a for instance, right? Jonathan Taylor, now upset with the Colts, right, requests a trade, right? And Jim Irsay 
doing his Jim Irsay thing, right? He comes out and says, oh, we're not doing whatever, right? Well, so Taylor's kind of, I don't know if he's holding out or if he's practicing or whatever, but obviously Taylor's status is in question, right? Well, what did the Colts do in the offseason to bolster behind Jonathan Taylor since Taylor missed games last year? Well, they got Moss, right? Is it Zach Moss? Zach Moss, Zach right? Moss from, from Buffalo, yeah. From Buffalo. Right. Zach Moss got hurt, right? Right. Got to miss Gonna miss some time. So, up to six all weeks of a sudden, right all of a sudden, the Colts might not have a running game. I mean, like I don't even. I, I looked at their other names, and they're like guys I, I'd never heard of, right? And and because of DraftKings, I know most of the players in the league. Right. They're rookies. Edron James, right? right? That's who who what? their running back is. Edron James. <laughs> Edron James. I don't think it's Edron James, but I would love to see him suit back up and see what he's got. <laughs> but <laughs> but you know, but, but all of a sudden now the Colts have no running back, right? And so you, you can't go into a game and expect to run, rush for 40 to 60 yards a game and win because you're not going to control the clock. You're not going to control field position. You're going to get the third and one, and you're going to be faced with passing situations. And, of course, they're playing either one of my personal favorites, Gardner Minshew, or, uh, or Richardson, right? Uh, what's, uh, I'm blanking. Alex Richardson? What's, what's his first name? From Florida. Yeah, from Florida, the draft. Yeah. I'm drawing a blank, too. Um, right. Anthony Richardson, I think. But anyway, they got a rookie quarterback. What's the worst thing you can do to a rookie quarterback? <laughs> Give him no running game. have a run game. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Nobody to so hand all- it off to. Stand back there for three seconds. Hope your offensive line can control the, the exactly. front for you. Yeah, yeah. Give you some threat of a play action, right? Something, right? I mean, and so it, it, it's really wild to me how, yeah, okay, Running back, you know, and, and, and people have been putting all over social media, you know, the post about, oh, no team's won with a high-paid running – won the Super Bowl with a high-paid running back since, I don't know, they go back to, like, I don't know, Marshall Falk or something, right? I mean, it's been, been, been 10, 15 years since anybody – but then again, you can also say it's rarely true that somebody with the highest-paid player at a given position, at any position, wins a Super Bowl, right? Because you have to have balance on your team and – and all that sort of thing. But, and, you know, some you get some of these big contracts and, and it doesn't work out. But I don't know, man. I, I'm just really surprised at, I mean, because you, you have to run the ball at least, I mean, even Andy Reid runs the ball at least 30% of the time, right? And, right. And if you can't get any productivity out of your run game, your offense is going to struggle. And that's, you know, and that leads to defenses that struggle, right? Because that means you go three and out from your own 20. And so you're punting, and the other team gets the ball at the 40, you know, or, 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 the, or the 35, or maybe midfield, instead of being able to put a six or eight play drive together that, if nothing else, puts them back at their own 15, right? It flips the field, all that stuff. Runs the clock out, the whole four-minute offense concept. I don't know. I, I don't quite understand. I mean, I understand not paying running backs what you're paying quarterback, right? But – and they're not as dime a dozen as a lot of people think, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, you've got – you do have those big names that you mentioned, but you get guys out there that, I don't know, don't have the same capabilities, athletic abilities that mm-hmm. some of these guys have. It's just not the same. I mean, absolutely a difference between, you know, averaging three and a half yards and two yards. I mean, for yeah. Yeah. It, it It does play a part in it. Um, and, and again, the game has changed into such a passing league that you do need a running back now that has hands. 
mm-hmm. catch it in the flat, being able to to go out there and catch it and go with it. And that could be part of the running game, but you still need somebody that can just line up back there and go through the trenches. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you can't get that 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 yard at fourth and one, and you know, or, or you know, when you're third and one, second and one on the goal line, right? You know, trying to punch it in for the for the score. If you don't have a team that can move move, and you know, hey, obviously it's part of your offensive line. It's not just the back, but the back makes a lot of difference in that case, right? Right. right. I, I'll even, you know, Christian McCaffrey, as good as he is. I don't know, two or three years ago, he's playing at Carolina. I remember a game, they got down to first and goal at the one. They gave it to McCaffrey three times from the one-yard line. He couldn't get in, right? Because that's not McCaffrey's game, right? I mean, McCaffrey's sticking his head down and driving for one yard. That's not where he excels, right? I mean, he's not that he can't do it, but he's not Jerome Bettis. He's not Marshawn Lynch. He's not, uh, oh, Marion Barber, Mary Barber the third, right? Love that guy. You know, you want to give that guy a yard? Or what, last year, Jamal Williams, right? Like 27 touchdowns or some absurd number, right, that he scores for the Lions, almost all of them from the one-yard line, right? Refrigerator uh, Perry. I mean, oh, well, yeah, now you're <laughs> – Can't forget it. Wow. Can't forget about him. No, you can't because that definitely was something, right? It was something. That was something. Yeah. yeah, a lot to a lot to digest and look forward to in, in the coming season for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, we've come to the end of episode number two, and we'll set the table for next time as we, you know, make the final call to the bullpen, bring in our closer. We'll close this out. Dustin, what are we going to talk about next time? Some of the things to look forward to next time. Uh, we're going to talk about our NFL predictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of what we think is going to happen, uh, what we see could happen. And like I said last week, it'll show how much we know or don't know. Uh, we'll kind of just uh, throw those out there. And then as time goes on and the season goes on, how we do uh, up against those predictions. Another mm-hmm. thing that we'll be talking about and looking into is DraftKings, um, how we do it, uh, what we look for. We kind of do it different ways between me and Nick, but at the same time, we end up having a similar record when it comes down to the end of the season when we go against each other head to head. So those are those are some of the things to look forward to. And there will be one more topic week. I'm just going to leave it with you, my good listeners. Millwall. And with that, thank you for listening to D4 Sports. D4 Sports is brought to you by Don and Dustin and by our sponsors, Sports and Day Drinking. Special thanks go to Trey Klein for providing the music behind D4 and all our friends and family for supporting us throughout this effort. Let's go have a drink. Yeah, man, the game's on.